this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Well, wasn't last week a good week? The anointing is here. The Lord is doing some amazing things. Kyle, Caitlin, thank you for, you know, I was trying to think of how to thank you because it's not thank you for stepping in because you do that. That's just your heart. But it's thank you for releasing your gift. That's the key. It's thank you for releasing your gift. We, we often take for granted, you can turn the lights up a little bit. Um, we often take for granted the gift, uh, but we honor the willingness to come and serve, right? I'm looking around the room, I see other pastors. We often take for granted the gift, but we often celebrate the willingness to serve. And so when someone is willing to come and release their gift, we have to honor that because not everybody's willing to do that. And so what an amazing week. If you haven't heard the, the discussion about worship, uh, probably a focal point for setting the course for this house in worship is to surrender everything to the King of Kings. And we can come in and we can worship and it's great music and we can focus on all of that. But if we aren't surrendered to the King, we miss it. We miss it. And so thank you for doing that. We had uh, an amazing time at Lifeway. And uh, Kirsten, I'm glad you're not upstairs because I'm changing it all. So that's good. I'm glad you, oh, he's up there. He can come down because this is all changed from 15 minutes ago. But um, I, I truly believe that the Lord wants to highlight something in this region um, this morning. You see, I was asked to go to Lifeway because of an encounter, an encounter with the Lord that the Lord asked me through someone who had met him in a coffee shop. And, you know, I mentioned that we're going to the conference. We're not going to go to the conference. That's the excuse to go. And many of you have excuses to go places on Monday morning. It's not about what you're going to do. It's who you're going to encounter. And there are certain points in our life as leaders, and you're all leaders in the room, which means there's more expected of us as leaders. But as leaders, as you go into those places, excuses to be somewhere, like your job, it's an excuse to be in the world, that when you go, we have to look for divine appointments. And so all of that whole last weekend, which was glorious, the Lord showed up in an amazing way, way, healed people, touched people, delivered people, set people free. Amazing, just like he did here. Because he doesn't discriminate. It's one church, amen? one church we have to get that through our minds because our doctrine would tell us something different and most of all we have to understand that our doctrine was created in most cases we believe what we believe about God because some man wrote it down somewhere and not really our encounter with the Lord and so this encounter that I had with a leader sitting at a coffee shop was just sharing what God's doing in lives that or impacting. And through those testimonies, the Lord moved upon this person 
and they were radically changed. My question is, isn't that what the Lord has called us to do every single day? That we're supposed to share testimonies of what God's done in our life, share testimonies of what God's doing in those around us, and then to wait on him. Oftentimes we don't wait. We share the testimony, we move on, and we do whatever we're there for because that's our excuse to be in the world. And so we sat down at a table, I shared testimonies of what was going on, shared what's on my heart about what God is doing in the region, and this person had a revelation the Holy Spirit moved upon them because what is the Holy Spirit's role? The Holy Spirit's role is to reveal Jesus. And so when the Holy Spirit came into that moment, he revealed Jesus in a place of their life in which they hadn't surrendered. Boy, it's quiet this morning. Have you ever had a place where the Holy Spirit's moved upon you where Jesus hadn't been given access to your life? And in doing so, what happens is that it opens up our heart to be fertile soil for truth to be planted and for it to produce fruit. And so that's what happened. And through that encounter, they asked if I would come down and share with them. And one of the things that I believe that scripture gives us great guidelines for, but it doesn't actually institute, is family. Go to Genesis with me. Genesis 1, my favorite book my favorite book we see the moving of the spirit we see the voice of the father and we see the actions of the son all in this one chapter verse 26 you all know it by heart let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion so it didn't just create Adam created mankind that's what man stands for created mankind let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God created man and woman. I know that's sometimes debatable in culture, but that's what he created. It's not debatable in the word, just in culture. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So family is actually an outpouring of what God created. Family is actually natural because when you put man and woman together, you get offspring. And you get family. It doesn't say he created the family. Family is natural out of the outpouring of God's heart. You see, when we segregate family and we say you're of this family and I'm of that family, we're missing what the Lord created. He created mankind in his image. Man has created different segments. So as I walked into a church that is not foursquare, now, to some of you, this is elementary, but I'm setting this tone for what this, this region needs. I'm, just, I'm not just speaking to you this morning. I'm speaking over the region. So when I stepped into the pulpit on a Sunday morning of a local church, and it was the first time in a long time 
the first time I believe ever that a senior pastor has ever went to that church and spoke on a Sunday morning. From their account, I don't know, I haven't been there. That's what they accounted for. It set something in motion in the region that, t- that gives a new definition to family than what we understand as family. Because mankind would say that your family is a label, but family is not a label. It's an outpouring of God's love through mankind. And when we define family wrong, our society shows that wrongness in itself. So when you are separated into different bodies that are labeled and you assume the label, you become not able to multiply to the effectiveness of the kingdom of God. So why, why is this so important? Because I believe that the enemy has had a stronghold upon the church because of these labels. Have you ever been labeled something in your life and that has hindered you from what you were supposed to be doing? We've all been there. And so has the church. You see, the enemy wants to label you as something that you're not. As to lead you away from what you're truly called to be. And if he's doing it with that, why would we not think that he would do that with the church? Why wouldn't he label the church with something to lead them away from what they're desperately called to be in the word? We, we sometimes compartmentalize our lives to say we have it so bad. The world is caving around us and things are falling apart and all of this stuff is happening, but there is a bigger picture that we have to understand. It's not about the four walls of a building, it's about a movement. We were blessed to have Chris and Christy here the week before and share what God's doing about the Father's heart, about his love. But as I was engaging in this process that is very rarely done, at least in this county, that a senior pastor would go somewhere else and preach on a Sunday morning, locally, it began to, something hit me that has hindered the church, I believe, for a long time. And that is that we haven't understood what family really means. Because family is an outpouring of God's creation to the world. And it says here in verse 28, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. We're called to have dominion over the earth. And if we're separated, we can't have dominion. Because we become unfruitful. Because you know what? The first person that you can be offended with probably sleeps in your bed. The people that are easiest to be offended with are the people that live under your roof. And in the church, the people that are most likely to offend you are the people that you do life with. Yet Jesus walked upon the earth with some ragtag people and wasn't offended and changed the world. That's why we're all sitting here. But interestingly enough, if the enemy is going to try to derail the church and keep it off its game of what it's supposed to be doing on the earth, don't you think it's going to attack the outpouring of the love of the Father upon the region? So what does that look like? It says he created him male and female. He created them because in that union there becomes fruit And in the union of the body of Christ, created in his image, there is fruit. But if you remain singular, you can't produce fruit. 
Now, there's all kind of technology that would allow you to do that in the natural. But there's no technology in the supernatural that allows you to be singular and to produce fruit in the kingdom of God. Later on in chapter 2, it says, it is not good that man should be alone. Why? Fruitfulness doesn't come from loneliness. So he's called us in this region to unite together with other people. Now, when you unite together with other people that are different than you, you have many choices to be offended. Right? And so how do you navigate, how do you navigate going into a different scenario and saying something, as I did last week, that was very strong and very pointed, because that's what the Lord had, and yet not have them not be offended and you not be offended. And I can tell you it's a maturity thing. You see, when you're not mature, you begin to waffle at the slightest wind. That when the word of God comes in, if you're not focused on him, you begin to sink. And so what God is calling in this hour is for the church to be mature, to do what they're called to do in the, in the region or in the world, and to deal truth where the enemy has placed lies. Now, one of the biggest things that I know about culture is that healthy family directs a healthy culture. A healthy family directs a healthy culture. And so if your culture is not healthy, you have to go back to the family because the, the government as a whole, leadership as a whole that wants to control would want to control you into health. So they define what health is for you. And I say that sometimes the church, we miss out what God says health is. But some people waver because of immaturity in the word and they hear 17 different identities and they begin to waver at what God said. I know this is strong this morning. If you want to know why culture seems like it's against you, it's because it is against you. If you believe this, if you don't believe this and you waffle at the slightest thing, then it's not against you and you look more like them than you look like Jesus. And so what God is calling in this hour is for a church that doesn't segment itself, that doesn't limit its effectiveness because of a label, because of offenses, and to actually stand up in culture and say a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Now, if you put a man and a woman together, you get fruit. If you put a man and a man together, you get an arrangement. If you put a woman and a woman together, you get an arrangement. You don't get a marriage. And so the enemy is coming after family and the definition of family because he knows that family is a direction of culture. And if you can get the church to accept just one little piece of a lie, it changes our trajectory. We were out shooting a while back, and we were shooting, uh, what was it, 80 yards? I forget what we were shooting. And uh, 
we're shooting at 80 yards. And at 80 yards, if you move just a slight little bit, you're not hitting the target. The target's huge. But if you move just a slight little bit over 80 yards, that bullet doesn't even hit the target. It goes off in one way or the other way. And God is calling the church to hit the target. And so if we're going to do what God has called us to do in this hour, it's not to waver one little bit one way or the other. Now you say, now what can cause the wavering? Well, wind is one thing. Just that slight breeze right when you pull the trigger can adjust a lot of different things. Well, the wind of culture can adjust what you're doing if you're not steady, if you're not focused on the right things. You see, when we make church about what we receive or how we are incorporated into the body, we're wavering. When we worry about what label the door says when we walk in to bring the word of God, if we worry about that, we're wavering. And so many people have said, we need a revival in the church. I'm not sure, so sure that we need a revival in the church because revival is in each and every one of you that knows Jesus. If he's in you, he is revival, which means revival is in you. I know that we don't teach that as the church very much, but you've got everything you need to do what he's called you to do. So revival is in you. See, I don't think that we need a revival. I think we need an awakening. An awakening outside of self. Because I have a situation, you may have a situation, where something in your life doesn't line up, line up to the word. And if I focus on myself, I will accept a seed of doubt. And I will miss the target every time. We're called to be world changers, to have dominion over all the earth. And if we're going to exercise dominion, we have to be clear. And so Genesis 1, verse 28, says we're supposed to multiply. And the only way to multiply is to go back to verse 27, which says he created them male and female. I'm calling the church to a higher view of what's going on around us. That's what, that's what we need to do, everybody. If, if the Lord is coming back, which it says in his word for a pure bride, then how can we be missing the target? You see, when all hell breaks loose, if we're not focused on the things that we're supposed to be focused on, then the focus turns back on us. And when we focus on us, we miss the target. I said a couple weeks ago that when the rear view mirror is larger than your windshield because of a fence, you're probably going to get into an accident. And I want to read to you a scripture. If you go with me to Judges 6, there was someone who was inside of culture and all the world was falling down around them. And yet, there was a decision that had to be made. So on that foundation, let's read 
Judges chapter six, you'll catch up with me. I've got a lot of reading to do. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midianites for seven years. And at the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves dens and caves and strongholds which are in the mountains. Here's the issue. When it says the Midianites were like the number of the sand of the sea. How many of you have been to a beach lately? I think if you pick up one handful, you can't count it. They were a pretty formidable opponent. And as we look around the world today, as the church, we see a pretty formidable thing happening out there. Well, what did they do? They made strongholds. Jesus said what we do with those. Pull them down. But they built them. They raised them up. Why? Because the world, the thing that was against them, looked so much bigger than what they could ever attain, whatever they could ever deal with. And it says, they made dens and caves, places to live to escape the torment that they were in. That's what humans do. Humans make places that they feel safe when everything is falling apart. But what happens is that they're in these places, they can't be effective in what they're called to do. You see, they they were called to defeat the Midianites. And yet all they could see was, how do I protect myself? How do I stay protected in my own place? How do I stay inside my own walls and live a life of safety? God's not calling you to live a life of safety. If that's your bent, you're probably missing the target because he doesn't call us to a life of safety. Many of us default to safety and build dens and caves and strongholds and then we need Jesus to come in and give us a pickaxe and we have to take him down. Verse three, so it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. So they're sowing. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're sowing. But when the fruit of that sowing would come forth, the Midianites would come up and steal all their grain. Also, the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no substance, no sustenance for Israel, neither their sheep nor their ox nor their donkeys. So they came and took the fruit that was actually coming up from the ground that they had worked and they had taken all of that so they were being starved of their rightful thing. For they would come up in their livestock and their tents coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number and they would enter the land and destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. The children of Israel were impoverished because of an attack of the enemy upon their fruit. Now, if you've been with this house moving the last few months, what makes you unfruitful? Offense. What does offense, offense is just the trip stick, what does offense actually release that can kill you? Unforgiveness, lots of different things, 
One of those things is fear. Why were they not effective at taking care of the Midianites and saving the food? Why were they impoverished? Because they were bound in fear. Fear about what was coming. Fear about what they were called to do. Fear about all of it. Verse 7, and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. The prophet came back and gave them a vivid picture of what, he had walk, what God had walked them through in the past. You see, their focus was on the, the massive craziness of what was going on and the oppression that they were seeing in their lives. And yet God came through a prophet and said, listen, I've already told you. I've already walked you through. I've already got you through. I gave you land that wasn't yours. And now you're reaping harvest off a of land that wasn't yours. And yet they still doubted what God was doing and wanted to do through them. So on the scene comes this man named Gideon, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth tree, which was at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So you've got this oppressive thing out there, this people who are coming to take away the fruit of your labor and you're threshing wheat inside of a wine press. Let that sink in for a second. You're threshing wheat because you want to eat something inside of a container that was not made for that so that you could hide the fruit of your labor. Could it be that the church has been doing the right thing in the wrong container because of fear? Have you ever done the right thing and it didn't feel right because everybody was around you and oppressing you and you were doing the right thing, yet everything around you didn't make it feel like that? That's where he was. Gideon was threshing the wheat inside of the wine press. Sometimes you can be doing the right thing in the wrong place and all you do is get tired. And all you do is get enough sustenance for you for a day. You see, the church, I believe, the reason why the society is the way it is is because we haven't been doing what we're supposed to be doing in the right place. And because we haven't been doing it in the right place, we become fruitless. And so we've done the right thing in the wrong place and had enough to eat for one day. And God is calling the church to have dominion, dominion. So he was hiding. Why do you hide? Fear. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The angel of the Lord saw what was going on and spoke into this man's destiny what he was called to do even though he wasn't functioning in that realm at this moment. He was actually doing the wrong thing 
the right thing in the wrong place. But the angel of the Lord spoke into him something, and that is what we're called to do. We're called to speak the right thing in the right season to call the destiny out of people. The goal is not to build a big church. The goal is to build big people. Now, some people go through that, and other people don't, and that's personal choice. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? When we begin to focus on what's happening to us, we forget where we're supposed to be walking through with him. When our focus becomes on what's happening to us instead of what God is doing, we miss the target. And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. Go in this might of yours. I'm threshing wheat in a wine press. I don't have any might. You'll read that he says that. See, he didn't believe the word that was spoken over him, so he began to play the excuse game. And we as human beings, we love to play the blame game. It's always somebody else's fault. It's somebody else's fault that this didn't happen. It's somebody else's fault that this didn't happen. So he starts to play the blame game. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, this thing inside of you that you don't know about yet, because your father, you had a father and mother that produced fruit, you. But your father didn't call it out of you. And so you don't know who you really are. You know, the scripture says you may have many teachers, but not many fathers. So Gideon is in this place doing the right thing. He wants to eat. He's doing the right thing in the wrong place. And he's there because of a lack of fathers. So if we take that scenario, a man called of God out of place because he didn't have a father that led him, the angel had to come and do it. Thank the Lord we have angels watching over us, right? Guiding us, directing us, making things happen. It's good stuff. But because he didn't have fathers. Now I want to take you back to Genesis 1. The fruit of family, of the union between man and woman, means there has to be a father. Not two moms or two dads, a father. And so in bringing that thought back to this place, many people even in the church are out of place because we're missing the institution of family. So we're missing the target, not necessarily because of something that we've done knowingly, but because of the path we've been set on because of a lack of family. Let's continue reading. So he said to him, O oh Lord, O oh my Lord, he has an O oh my God problem. He just keeps saying it over and over and over. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. Not only does he play the blame game, now he's playing the excuse game. 
all of which to get out of what he's called to do. And so we can play the blame game and miss the target. We can play the excuse game and miss the target. We can even have great words spoken over us and miss the target. Part of it is because we miss the target because we're not listening. Part of it is because we don't have fathers. And part of it is because the labels we put on ourselves that restrict us from going where we need to go and do what we need to do. So what does the Lord say about his excuses? Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. He's calling his destiny out. The angel of the Lord is doing a father's job and calling the destiny out of this child of God to say, I have put you in this place for such a time as this. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me the sign that, that it is you who talk to me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come and bring you my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared the young goat and unleavened bread for an ephah of flour. The meat he put in the basket and he put broth in the pot and he brought them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord departed from his sight. Now, after that miracle, we remember we talk about that God always sends fire when there's a sacrifice. Not just an altar, there has to be a sacrifice. And so he did that here, God sent fire. Verse 22, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Now to every believer that has walked the path with Jesus, we're already dead. We don't have to have an angel say, do not fear, you're not gonna die, we're already dead. And so our calling is to walk in wholeness with the Father and it comes through sacrifice. Not through excuses and not through the blame game, but through sacrifice. Let's keep reading. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull and the second bull of the seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God atop of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you have cut down. He's saying cut down this fertility God, that's what Baal is. And what did they do to the fertility God? They sacrificed infants. And when you're obedient to pay the price of doing that, I'm going to reveal to you something that I've called you to do. Now, I was thinking, Gideon is in the wine press threshing wheat, doing the right thing in the wrong place. He then gets into an encounter with an angel who is speaking into him his destiny and he's making excuses and he's playing the blame game. And then he sees that he prepares a sacrifice. God really consumes it now he's starting to think but when he says now I've called you to go in and eradicate Baal as your next step 
Remember I said the church may be doing the right thing in the wrong place? And it took eradicating Baal to get to his destiny? We stand in a critical moment, church. 65 million babies sacrificed to Baal under our watch. It will cost something. It always costs something. But the word, the angel told him, do not fear, you shall not die. I believe it is time for an awakening in this house, in the church globally, to say we're done sacrificing things to a God of fertility when you've given us the picture of what fertility really is in Genesis 1. It's male and female. And the reason why we sacrifice kids to Baal is because we don't understand Genesis 1.28 and 27 that God created male and female man and woman the only way to produce fruit doctors can do a lot of crazy stuff but the only natural way to produce fruit is between a man and a woman and that's what the enemy is after in your life are you going to waver one way or the other Are you going to question one thing or the other thing? Are you just going to do what he says and stand for truth? That's the question of the hour. Are you going to cloak yourself in a denomination? Are you going to be a part of the body? You see, if Paul came back today and stood on the steps in New Philly of the courthouse and he said, I have a word for the church of this region, I would hope that every denomination Every home church, everything that represents a work of the Lord in this region would be there. My concern would be that we wouldn't because who else might be there? That's because of a lack of fathers and a lack of seeing and hearing the Father direct what we're supposed to do. Now my question for you this morning is, are you threshing wheat doing the right thing in the wrong place. Is it a good place? Yes, it produces wine. Number two, have you played the blame game lately? Or it's always someone else's fault that I haven't achieved what I'm called to achieve. Have you played the excuse game with your destiny? So what happens? Gideon destroys this monument to Baal and he burns it up. And then if you continue reading and you get into Judges 7, you'll you'll realize that God called him to do what he was calling him to do in the very beginning, but Gideon now sees it because he's been betrayed, he's he's made excuses, he's, he's really trying, but he sees everything in the natural. So what does God do? He says, the Midianites are as many as the sand on the sea. We're going to whittle you down to 300 and then we're going to go take this thing. Maybe in this hour, God is working on your heart to get rid of the offenses, to get rid of the doing some right things and being exhausted to get back to who you really are. And what I love about this is even when Gideon didn't understand it, God sent an angel to remind him of who he was. And my prayer for each of you 
is that you get down to the base bare bones of your life and you understand that he's been watching you he's with you he loves you and he wants the best for you even if you've been doing good things in wrong places or even if you've been doing nothing at all he's still watching you and he's called you for such a time as this we're called to stand when all the things around us look completely nasty we're called to stand and the only way the only way is when we know the word and we can stand on truth would you stand this morning Maybe there's a monument in your life that has taken your affection away from the Father. Sometimes those monuments could be yourself. Sometimes they could be something ideally that you want to have. But before Gideon could walk into his destiny, he had to tear down a monument that was in his way. What do you have to do this morning? Are you here just doing the things? Are you really doing what the Lord has called you to do in this hour? That's the question we all have to answer. Let's pray today. Father, today I, I just ask you to move in this place that these seeds of truth would come and they would pierce our hearts, that we would be drawn back to you. Lord, help us to see every moment in your presence as the most precious moment of our lives. Lord, I ask that as we do the right things, that you would send people into our lives that would bring forth our destiny out of us. And may this be a place where that happens every single day. That each of us make our mission not to build a big church, but to build big people. Lord, we lay down offenses. We lay down hurts and hangups and all the things that keep us from seeing you. And we just surrender that to you this morning. If you're in this place and you have to let something down, let something go, tear something down, I just ask you this morning, would you just lay it before the Lord? And I speak over this region that there would be this unity of family that is not distorted by what the world would say about who we should hang with, but what you say, Lord. Father, where you're guiding us and directing us. And Lord, I pray that each person here today would not be distracted, but would be engaged in what you're doing. And as you move and you give us excuses to be in the world with our jobs and, and all those different things, that, that we would be conscious of the divine appointments that you've put in front of us so that we could go where you've called us to go and be who you've called us to be. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. Move upon this region. Father, we pray over every church, every house church, every churches with no name that are just a few people gathered seeking truth. 
we lift them all up to you today that your spirit would move in this region and that we would see an awakening in our hearts for what you've called us to be in this hour. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. 2022 has been a year already. Amen. It has been a year already. Looking at it, we're almost to June. Things are just going crazy. And uh, one thing I know looking through the room is that many people have already had a year of it in 2022. We've, t- we've talked, we've ministered. Our team has, has been ministering to you and with you and uh, walking people through lots of different things. And uh, if there's one person that I know that has been through a lot in 2022, it's Pastor Caitlin. So would you come up here this morning? Um, we wanted to chat real quick with the church and define some of the things. We know, um, we know that there's been lots of things going on and many people don't know and we don't really need to talk about that stuff. But what we do know is that um, you, have, you have stepped down from leadership um, to take some time to reassess life. And uh, I think the best statement that you made to us was that when Chris and Christy were here, that you heard a word. Do you want to share that for a moment? Sure. Um, when Chris and Christy Beckel were here, uh, I had just been praying and seeking the Lord about um, what he's doing with me personally, um, just between me and Jesus, honestly. And um, I have, we had talked and I have stepped down from the pastoral team and from leadership. And I was just asking the Lord, like, what are you doing with me? Because I know that I'm called to ministry. I know that I am called to leadership and all of those things. But um, when they were here, through them sharing their testimony, um, just the Lord was speaking to me at the same time. And uh, I felt like the Lord said to me that I wanna take you into a season. Sorry, I'm just gonna start crying so just ignore that (laughs) I'm gonna take you into a season where you are going to learn to just be my daughter right now like that's the only role that you need to carry you yes this is your calling and yes you have a testimony you are walking out a testimony but right now you put too much expectation on yourself (laughs) and I just want to teach you to be my daughter and let me minister to your spirit while you focus on me and our relationship. And I felt like the Lord was like, you just need like lifting the expectations even that I put on myself and just be his daughter and just enter the season with faith of, okay, Lord, like everything else is stripped away that I don't have to be anything more than his daughter to be loved by him to be to be everything that he made me to be and everything else is in his hands and I don't have to put anything else on myself and so that was basically what he was speaking to me that Sunday and so yeah yeah. well I want to would you stand with me today Um, we don't know what the season holds we're excited as a leadership team, we really are. Um, 
at what God is going to do in you and through you and through those kiddos of yours and whatever he brings you into. But, um, you know, when we have family, see, this is a maturity thing. When we have family, we have to say, okay, Lord, there's times when we receive people and there's times when we release people. And there's joy in both of them. There's joy in both of them. And I can't wait to see the testimonies. And this doesn't mean, and I just verify with me, this doesn't mean that you're doing away with relationship. No, right, yes. <laughs> you're just gonna learn to be a daughter. Yes. Yes, and so, uh, so we're gonna support her in that. Would you extend your hands up here? I'll take that. Um, would you extend your hands up here toward her as we pray? Father, today, Jen, would you come up here? Um, Father, today we just speak over Pastor Caitlin. Lord, we honor her. Your word says to honor the prophet. And Lord, we just honor the gift that she has brought to this house. We honor the gift that she is to the family. And Lord, as you have her on this journey, Lord, we don't know our journeys, but what we do know is that your hand is upon her. We can see it evidently in everything that she does. And so Lord, we just speak blessing and gratefulness and thankfulness for what she has brought to us. Lord, we speak over her life, her kids and her family as they go wherever you've called them to go. And Lord, we are just as one family joyous because you've graced us with her gift. And so Lord, we release her now. There's no expectations. There's, no, there's total freedom in you, Lord, and there's total freedom in this house. And so, Lord, we just pray blessing upon her, grace and peace, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to hear the times, to know the ways, and the moving of your spirit. And I declare a new day of hearing his voice, that you would hear him as your father, not as your boss, not as your person that you're trying to live up to some expectation, but as a dad who knows and believes and can speak into who you are so father we just release this over her her family and lord as we move to where we're called to be and she moves to where she's called to be lord we just pray a special blessing upon all of it may revival and awakening come through us today in jesus name amen amen well, there's lots of different things going on at the church. Um, we would like to just say thank you for participating and being a part of this family and know that God is on your side. He wants you to win and he wants you to do the right thing in the right time. And so, Father, we just pray blessing upon this family as we go from this place, guide and direct us in each of our decisions, the places where we go and the places that we rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Have an amazing week. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.